Welcome to the Sell Well, Do Good podcast. I'm your host, Andy Narricott, and I'm speaking to Scott Roy, CEO of Witten & Roy Partnership, to celebrate the release of the book, Sell Well, Do Good. In this episode, we talk about the execution side of their race formula. Scott highlights that most organizations focused on the outputs, so in this case, the sales, whereas a focus on the inputs, like the number of presentations made, is a far better way to get the most out of your employees. I hope you enjoy. So we talked about waking up social entrepreneurs to a better way of selling using your DQ and uh, managing teams to address their attitude. Your formula has another element, right? So this is about execution. Mm -hmm. Could you tell us what that means for the sales force of a social enterprise? Sure. Well, how a salesperson uses his time or how, how a saleswoman uses her time is absolutely critical in order to perform well at selling. You know, it, it's, like, it's like you want to think of it in, in terms of how can I be as effective and efficient with the limited amount of time I have in order to achieve the goals that I have. So for that reason, sales is quite different than, let's say, being an accountant or being a person who's in logistics or in warehouse work or whatever it might be, you know, where you're, you know, you have very tangible results every time. In sales, you could go out and give 10 presentations in a day, great presentations, and absolutely fail and not sell one single product. You say, and so, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a type of thing where you have to use an awful lot of judgment into asking myself, am I doing the right things at the right time? And am I talking to the right people? I'm constantly having to do that in sales. And so how do I, you know, for example, how do I set up my day so that I spend the right amount of time in the field selling? Sometimes we run to people who are, have, have a long sales meeting in the morning and then there's a long trip to, uh, to the field and you know they get to the field at 11 o'clock in the morning. Well, you've just lost three hours of selling time. Three hours. I mean, that, that's the equivalent of could be three, five, seven, eight, nine, ten presentations, you say. And in selling, it, you, you want to be able to get as many presentations in as possible, but of a quality that it's a it's a a vital enough or robust enough engagement with each of the presentations that you make, you say. So I could take a product and go out and give a hundred presentations in a day, right? I could just go door to door and go, Hey, I'm selling these books or I'm selling solar. Would you like one? No. Okay, great. Go to the next house. Hey, I'm selling solar. Would you like to buy a Pico solar product? Or would you like to buy a home? No. Okay, great. You know, and just keep doing that all day long and think I'm really, you know, getting somewhere. And actually I'm not, <laughs> right? So, so really great selling when you're executing is, is it's doing it in a way that has enough quality to the work using the attitudinal components of keeping myself above the line and expecting good things to happen and engaging with people in a way where my humanity shows through and they can relate to me. You say, and at the same time, competently guiding people through an experience of looking at the problems they've got and the solutions that we have to those problems. You say, so it gets down to where am I working? Who am I going to go see? How am I going to approach them? How am I going to qualify them? So I'm not going to be spending too much time with people who may not be the best prospects for me. How do I engage long enough to qualify them? 
before I decide not to go see them. Now, I, a lot of times we'll have people literally not go to a particular house, especially in direct sales, won't go to a particular house because they judge it ahead of time. Oh, that person doesn't have money or that person doesn't, you know, do, it doesn't look like they're a buyer. And so this sort of prejudging is a way that salespeople really cut their knees out from underneath them. I'll tell you a quick story. I remember back in my third summer selling books door to door. I was in Arkansas and um, I was in rural Arkansas. And I can't remember, it was outside of Conway, Arkansas. I can't remember the name of the small, very, very small sort of country town. And it was very interesting because there was a whole uh, sort of village of, of black families that lived in this particular area. But there were only maybe like 20 houses, right? And so I was out knocking on doors. In fact, as I'm telling you the story, I'm seeing it in my mind's eye. And this is, you know, we're talking 40 some odd years ago, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm coming out of a house. I've just made a sale. And as I'm leaving, I always say to my customer, especially in door-to-door selling, say, now I've already visited with the Browns, the Simpsons, and the, the Tuckers weren't home, but I'm going to come back and see them later. But I'm, I'm going this way. And I'm wondering the people right next door here, do they have any school-aged children? Oh, yes, they've got you. You know, And I would get the information and I would say, oh, who would I call on there, et cetera. And that's an example of really you know, good use of my time is to find out who has kids. So I'm not knocking on a door of somebody that doesn't have children. And number two is that, are they home during the day or not? You see? So if they're not home during the day because they work, well, I'm not going to waste my time knocking on that door. So this is what I mean by execution, you say. So this sort of what we call pre-approach information helps me to determine who to go see and, you know, and, and who, you know, where should I stop and really soak an area and see every family in an area that I'm supposed to be seeing. So to continue the story a little bit, I said, now, I, I don't see any houses on the other side of the road. There's out in the country. And she said, well, yeah, there's one house right there. And I looked at it and I said, where? And they said, well, in that big clump of bushes right there, there's a house right there. I said, oh, okay. I didn't even see that. Yeah, they, you know, they're older family that, you know, they've got one daughter left in school. They had eight kids. They've got one daughter left. And so anyway, I went to their home and, um, and I knocked on the door and their, their door was really, it's a very old house. And the front porch, all of the floorboards on the front porch had rotted away except for one board that was about 12 inches wide that went over to the front door. And in my mind, I'm going, oh, God, this is going to be awful. These people don't have money. They're poor, you know, da, 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 da. But I, I did what my, I was told, and that is you need to qualify the people, not just prejudge them. So I went across that, <laughs> that plank, you know, walked in and knocked on the door. And, and the woman said, is that the book man? And I, I go, uh, yeah. And she goes, come on. <laughs> I said, okay, well, that's not a, that's not a sort of greeting that I normally get when I'm selling books, you know, in the United States. So anyway, there was this lovely, lovely woman and her husband. And as I walked in to the right, there he was on the couch and he was looking at a big screen TV, you know, big, huge projection television. And I'm thinking, okay, they've got money. They do have money. They just are living in a house that is very old, Right. And so anyway, I won't tell you the whole story, but I mean, that house was ancient. I mean, all the floors, it was like a, it was like in a carnival where you have all the floors in a play, you know, are all different tippy, tippy floor. That was the the whole house was that way. The funniest thing that happened at the end is they had one daughter left. She was in eighth grade, I think it was. And, um, and they said, well, you know, back when our kids were younger, we couldn't really 
you know, provide for them very well. But this one is came later in life and we want to get that book for her. And we said, I said, okay, well, it's such, such, such amount of money. And she said, well, can I pay you in cash right now for the whole thing? And I said, well, yeah, it'd be fine. You know, I've got a book in the car. So I went out, got the car, you know, got that. She, she then pulls out this knife, you know, big, long butcher knife and she pries up a floorboard. She reaches down and gets an old rusty tackle box and pulls it up on the, onto the counter. She opens it up and it is filled with cash. <laughs> and she paid me in cash and that was it. So that was my experience of never, ever prejudge uh, a, a customer. Now, if I'd been up there in, in the first five minutes, I'd notice that, well, you know, they really don't appear to have very much money. I might, I might go ahead and, and, you know, cut short my presentation a bit, make it a little more brief just to qualify them first, not waste their time and tempt them with something that they shouldn't be buying, et cetera. You say, so anyway, that's just an example of execution. Execution again is doing the right things at the right time with the right people. And, uh, and, and that's the, the standard that a salesperson wants to do. Now we don't want to just leave that to a salesperson to figure out for themselves. Many social entrepreneurs have done that. What they do is they say, Hey, We've invented the product. We don't know how to sell it. You go out and sell it and you figure out how to sell it. And it's like, that's the worst thing you could possibly do for somebody, you know, and what you're going to do is you're going to set up them going out and wasting a lot of time. They're going to be selling to the wrong people that you're going to have a high cancellation rate in your sales. You're going to have, um, you know, a very spread territory, which then makes it very difficult for logistics and, and service, et cetera. And, you, you know, you've got, you, what I'm trying to say, Andy, is, is that we've got to be much better as sales leaders in giving salespeople guidance as far as how they should spend their time. What does a perfect day look like? You know, no day is perfect, but I mean, what would I be doing? So when I was a salesperson in Southwestern company, back when I was 20, they said, you're working 13 and a half hours a day, start knocking on doors at eight in the morning, work until 930 at night. I know that's a long day, but you know, we were, that's, that's what the company did It's long, long days. And they said, now from eight o'clock in the morning, be sure you knock on your first door by eight o'clock, not 8.01, not eight in 10 seconds, but 7.59.59 or earlier. Okay, 7.59.59 or earlier. That specificity was so important to me because it got me into the field at the first door. And it was like religion. that We had to knock on our first door before eight o'clock in the morning, you say. And then our goal was to get 10 presentations in by 1230 in the first goal period. Didn't care how many people bought, didn't care how many people said no, didn't care how many people weren't home, but did you get enough sales calls in door to door to get in 10 presentations? At the end of that first goal period at 1230, no matter what happened, you would look at your goal because we track it on a card. And, and I'd look at my number of sales calls, number of sales. I might've made five sales. I might've made zero. I might've had three demonstrations and 40 sales calls. And just, it was one of those days, or I might've given 12 calls and 12 presentations. I, you know, every day's, every day's different. Every goal period's different. But what would happen is I would get to the end of that goal period and the company said, just tear it up. Now you've got a fresh goal period for the next four and a half hours. Your goal, no matter what happened in the first goal period is to go out and make 10 presentations in that next goal period. So if I had a bad goal period before, then I had a fresh start. If I had a great goal period before, it got me off of my arrogance and it got me off of my, you know, my, 
you know, sort of sense of entitlement or, you know, hey, I can relax now. I can take it easy the rest of the day. Mm -mm. You know, next four and a half hours, that's what counts. Ten presentations. And then the same thing for the next goal period as well. Now, that was very specific. And the company taught me that. And then they taught me what to do in each presentation. That's the competence. And then they taught me how to manage my attitude, which basically they didn't say above and below the line. They said positive and negative. And I said, all right, keep a positive attitude. Keep expecting it. And they, ta they taught me ways to do that. Now I do it a bit differently. So that's what, what I call execution is doing those three things, attitude, competence, execution, and doing it with the right people, the right places at the right time in the right way. I love what you said about, you know, making it a religion because that informs culture as well. And, and totally. that's so important as well. When we talked and you did the playback for me in the previous episode, you also talked to me about taking a very next step. Can you yeah. say a little bit more about that? Yeah. I mean, a lot of times people are, you know, they have a, a real challenging environment they're working. Maybe, maybe, for example, they've just had a bad day. And so in their mind, they, they, maybe they're considering quitting. You say, so as a manager, I've got to make a decision. What, what am I going to do? What's my very next step with this person? Do I let them go out on their own tomorrow? Or do I, you know, get them to follow me while we're out selling? Do I need to follow them? Do I need to put them behind someone else? Or do I let them go on their own? That's one decision. So that might be a very next step. Another very next step might be, yeah, they're okay. They can do this on their own. But where are you going to start tomorrow, Andy? Tell me about you know, you know where you left off today, right? Your last house, right? Okay. So now tomorrow morning, what time are you going to start? 7.59.59. Or earlier, right? Or okay. Okay. You committed to that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And number two is, do you know where you're going to start tomorrow? Can you picture where you left off on your map? Where, where did you leave off? What was the name of the family that you saw last? Yeah, that was Smith. Okay, you saw the Smiths. All right. Now, what about the very next house? Did you get pre-approach on them? No. You didn't get that. All right. But that's the next house, right? Okay. Okay. So will you be there at 759.59 tomorrow morning? Hell yeah. <laughs> you see, I'm not asking you what kind of day are you going to have tomorrow? I'm not saying, you know, how many are you going to sell tomorrow? What I'm really asking is, you know, are you committed to doing what it takes? Are you committed to doing the inputs that create the outputs? You say too many organizations are overly concerned about the outputs. Well, rightly so. I mean, they've made com commitments and promises to investors. They themselves want to see their business succeed and sell X number of products per month, et cetera. But what they have to realize is actually there's a formula that creates those sales. And that formula has inputs written all over them. So the things you're noticing is input, start at 7.59. Input, presentations to the family next to the Smith. Input, 10 presentations in the morning before 12.30. Input, you know, how many sales calls am I gonna make? See, it's all about inputs, right? That's what produces the outputs. And so what we have to do oftentimes is teach organizations uh, well, we, we set up a different dashboard for them. And so the very first thing you ask a salesperson who's brand new is not, well, did you sell anything today? Or how many did you sell today? 
Yeah. That's the last thing in the world you want to have. Brand new salesperson is what I'd say. All right, Andy, tell me about your day. What time did you start? Just play along with me for a minute. Well, I was I was out the door at 7:30 and I was what I was I knocked on that door at eight o'clock, like you said. Great, fantastic. Okay. And what time did you stop? Uh around 9 p.m. actually. 9 p.m. Okay. And how many hours did you actually put in during the day? I mean, well, I took excluding a, breaks. Excluding breaks, I would say probably I'd say it was a good 12 hour day. 12 hour day. So you got 12 out of 13 hours. All right, that's good. And then and then how many present or how many sales calls did you make? Sales calls knocking on knocking on the door of somebody who is a legitimate potential buyer. Well, it must have been about 30 houses I knocked on. 30. Okay, so 30. And of those 30, how many presentations did you give? I gave 12 presentations today. 12 presentations. Wow. Okay. All right. And and now, did you sell anything? I did. I had one sell. Did you? Yeah. Oh, wow. good. That's good. Well, that's good. All right. Well, what? tell me what you learned today. You say, and that's that's what I would do with a brand new person. You say, I just don't make a big deal out of the sale that they mm. make. I make a big deal out of what are the inputs you're putting into it. You say, mm. now this is completely the opposite of what most people do when they manage. And you know, you talk about you want to have if you want to have high churn, low productivity, a poor sales culture, and people you know negative all the time. Just keep asking them how many are they selling. You say, if you want to build a great sales culture. Then you begin asking, you know, you teach them how to actually work. And then you ask them about those inputs every single day. You say, and, you know, so many organizations I found have been relying on these little monsters, right? They've been relying on on, uh, smartphones, which is great. I mean, there's a lot of things that are beneficial with smartphones, but they use Salesforce or TerraWorks or, you know, whatever uh, organization or whatever uh, sort of software that basically is gathering data. But the problem is, is that most of it's set up to go up to management. Very rarely are there practices in that business where that data is shared back to the salesperson. See, for me, I had a card in my hand and I took a number two pencil or a pen and I made marks on that card. Every sales call I made, what time I started, you know, number of presentations, sales, I had a whole system for that. You say, they taught me a system. And at the end of each goal period, and the end of each day, I could look at it and I could coach myself. I got to that point where my manager taught me how to coach myself. Oh, gosh, you only put in three demos, but you had, you know, 36 calls in this, you know, in this goal period. I mean, you had a rough period. All right, no big deal. Let's let's learn about what am I going to do in this period? All right. So I'm going to do this instead. You say, so this is one of the problems I see with with um, this sort of technology is that is that it gives managers a view of things, but the managers are not teaching people how to use this data in a way to drive improve and, and to drive their own improvement. You say, so as little tricks of the trade, you know, if you want to call it that, it's not really tricks of the trade. It's it's just I was taught really well by a great company, and in fact, it's that you know graining of you know of, of grooving of of habits and what we do day day by day in order to create a great sales culture is what makes all the difference in the world. I did the same thing in the insurance business when we built our insurance company. We started from scratch. We borrowed $20 million. 
and we built a great company that sold a couple of years ago for two hundred and fifty million dollars. Okay, and you know that you know it's an it's a company we built from zero that has two billion in assets today. All right, now that didn't happen because we had a great product. That happened because we had a great selling system. We had a good we had a really good product, but we had a great selling system. And it was an ethical system, and it's largely the kind of system that we help organizations install.